Did you know Kelly Blue Book's instant cash offer helps you attract customers who are motivated to trade in or sell their vehicles? Plus, it helps you to say yes to more customers without taking on cars you can't move. Learn more about instant cash offer by contacting your Kelly Blue Book representative today. All right, let's move on to the show. Here we go. Welcome to the Dealer Playbook Podcast. My name is Michael Cirillo, and each week I sit down with the brightest minds in marketing, sales, and leadership to help you level up your career in automotive. Thank you so much for spending your time here with me today. Now let's open up the playbook. Here we go. All right, here we go. Back with another episode of the Dealer Playbook Podcast. I'm sitting down now with Juan Flores, who's the Senior Director of Products at Kelly Blue Book. Dude, that, that's a mouthful, but thanks so much for joining me on the Dealer Playbook Podcast. Thanks so much for having us, Mike. Dude, I'm excited about this because this is, uh, this is a topic that you know we see all the time. You go on social media, there's somebody debating the, the T word, transparency. And there's always kind of two sides of that coin, it seems. But where I'm going with this is, you know, we we are kind of fast migrating into this time period where we realize that we have to be more transparent with our customers because we know millions upon millions of them are going online every single day and doing vehicle research and they're at varying stages of the buying process. So what I want to ask you is is actually specific to one area of this, the, the, the trade kind of area. And, and so my, my question is, is it in our best interests as dealers to put, you know, the, the control of evaluating a vehicle in the customer's hands? Yeah, my, my, my initial response to that is absolutely right. It is absolutely in the best interest of the dealer to, um, transfer uh, control and the great thing about that michael is that the the dealer can define control right it's either a little bit of control or a lot of control but the idea is that you want to uh, have a partnership with the with the shopper uh, to help uh, evaluate the vehicle um, there's so many there's so many benefits and wins um, because consumers are being part of that transparency process in other in, you know in other shopping areas so it, it makes it makes natural sense and is this, I mean, is this something that, like, where where do you see this happening that it's been most effective? Like, I know, you know, being part of the Cox family, you guys have heaps of data that you swim in. Um, you know, where is this best to happen? I mean, I'm an advocate of webs like the dealer website, but is this something that they're doing on a site like Kelly Blue Book or cars.com or something like that? Or is that something that you actually encourage them to have on their own website? Yeah, the partnership that the dealer has with any of these, you know, third-party validation sources can be with anybody, right? It can be with Kelly Blue Book. Uh, it, it can be with, you know, any of the other NADA guides. Um, um, so the idea is it can either be by having the shopper go to any one of these sites or having these uh, tools integrated within a dealer site, right? Um, a dealership does, that does not have a partnership with a third-party validation tool, I think, is at a disadvantage. And I think, you know, 10 years ago, it was the exception. Now it's sort of the norm. Most of your best-in-class dealers 
um, have some level of, of third-party validation right on their sites. What kind of bearing does this have on, I mean, does this affect transaction time that, that you're seeing or, or is it just a straight up transparency play that, Hey, here you go. It's one more tool that you can use. That's going to help you get to where you want to go faster. I would say that 10 years ago, it was really just focused on transparency. And then as, and as the industry began focusing on what are really the pain points, um, at, you know, for a shopper at a dealership, it's time to transact. It's, uh, you know, it's sort of hiding behind the curtain to establish value. It's uh, not really sure what rate should be, et cetera. But I think, I think if you think about the spectrum, it's going from, it used to be around transparency. Now it's really impacting the time to transact. And I think uh, it's positively impact, impacting other, other areas um, between the, when the dealer and the consumer interact, right? Yeah, and I mean, and and the deeper we get into the digital age, um, the more necessary that's becoming because everything's about speed these days. As you know, as sometimes ridiculous as it sounds, right? I sit here sometimes and I'm like, this web page takes ten seconds to. L- I'm out of here, you know. And we become like, you know, hashtag internet problems, right? Um, but but it's true, right? Like we're so focused on transaction times. I mean, what's your opinion on? You, you know, we we're we're seeing a lot of tools emerge where, um, the the purchase, the transaction, can all happen online. Um, you know, dare I say, the Tesla model where you can figure it all out, vehicles, you know, leased, all that's figured out, and then the car shows up at your door, like a Carvana vending machine type thing. I mean, I know we're moving into this age of like, hey, self serve. I want to buy a car. Is this something that you see the the trade in, you know, trade valuator tools kind of playing into, or is this still, um, or or is there still value in your opinion? of a consumer, you know, having a tool that streamlines transaction time, but still has them speaking with a dealer. Listen, you're never going to have a hundred percent of the, so the answer is yes, Michael, you're never going to have a hundred percent of the population that is going to be comfortable transacting online and signing a contract online. You're still going to have, um, even millennials, right? Regardless of age group, um, you're still going to have folks that are going to want to come in, touch the metal, you know, hug the dealership, ring ring a bell, get a t-shirt, whatever, yeah. whatever gimmicks is, is, is taking place. But I think that as there, you know, people are transacting on Amazon, on eBay, there's, there's a different comfort level that consumers have, right? You can buy a $3,000 refrigerator online. So, you know, now you start thinking about it, you know, 15,000 or $17,000 Corolla, et cetera. So it, this becomes a lot more feasible and reasonable. And I, I think the, uh, the it, it's less about the industry and it's more about shopper behaviors moving toward that and so tesla is obviously helping move the needle uh it's exciting times right it absolutely is exciting times uh well and it brings me back to something we've talked about on previous episodes of the show where um it, it's kind of like business basics and I don't say that to, you know, insult or anything like that, but really the, the, the essence of business is give customers what they want and you will get you what you want. It's that Zig Ziglar quote, the help as many others get what they want and you'll have everything that you want. And so something like a, 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 a trade valuation tool adds that transparency. But as you're saying, right, it, it gives them something that they can use 
that they can dig into, that they can get the information they want. You know, my, my opinion, and I'm interested in, in your take on this, but my opinion is no matter what happens, uh, technology wise, let, let me back up. So my company, um, evolved from printing telephone books. And I don't believe that in your and my lifetime, Juan, like I don't believe that we will experience another technological shock to the system like when the internet dropped on the scene. That's right. Because like, dude, how many, I've got a telephone book in my office right now is propping up the monitor that I see your face on. Yeah. You know, um, it's, but so I don't think there's going to be another shock to the system quite like what happened with the internet. Right. Um, you know, how many encyclopedia salespeople, door-to-door encyclopedia salespeople do you see anymore, or vacuum salespeople, or, right. or things of that nature? Where I'm going with this is, um, we, it, b- because of that, though, you know, we see a lot of people still, it's 2017, you know, I'm running 279 megabyte up and down fiber internet right now, faster than the, you know, and despite the way technology is evolving. There's one thing that still remains consistent. I've found, and that is my insatiable appetite for acquiring information in order to make a purchase decision. Like I just did it the other day. I'm on Amazon looking for, you know, motorcycle accessories, um, little things to deck out my motorcycle with. And, um, I'm, I've got Amazon open. So the technology, let's call it the technology that was supposed to disrupt everything. And at the same time, I've got two other browser, two or three other browser tabs open. One's got a YouTube open. One's got, you know, third, like a independent motorcycle blog open. And I, I actually needed some other validation sources while I'm looking at this product to see what it was actually like and get more information about it so that I felt comfortable making a purchase decision. That's right. And, and so yeah. are you guys fi- seeing the same thing um, from your vantage point? I mean, is this playing into that concept that yes, technology is evolving, but consumers still need information to make purchase decisions? Yeah, I, I, I love, I love a handful of words, right? And one of the words that I love to repeat, Michael, is the word triangulation. Um, consumers are going to multiple sources and triangulating all this information, taking it and then um, putting it on the table and then speaking with their significant other and say, look at all this validation of information. I think that, that Chevrolet, uh, 1500, you know, is the SLT is the one based on all this market. And so we think our trade for this, you know, Kia is this. So it's, it's, uh, the information is everywhere, right? You can now go and experience and figure out your FICO and get a good rate. You can walk in pre-qualified. They're doing this. They're decoupling the four squared. Um, and, and I want to just point something out. Um, there's a couple of things that you said. Technology today is making it so cost effective for companies to disrupt the automotive industry. The reason the automotive industry was not disrupted earlier in our lifetime, Michael, is because it was too expensive, mm. right? Remember those big old boxes, or at least when I was in college, right, you had the floppy disk and you can put like maybe one <laughs> file on it. Um, I, I was, you know, it's interesting you were talking about the internet. I was in college when the damn internet broke out and I was like a geek. I was saying, I was like, oh my God, I, this is fantastic, <laughs> right? I don't have to go to the library right. to, to study. But but that's what I think that, you know, the, the traditional retail store, um, you know, they don't realize that the cost of entry for for um, 
you know, the cost of entry has decreased because technology is so inexpensive. There's a dealer, independent dealer in Ohio, very, a very good guy, uh, has been around for quite some time. And he says, one, he says, dealers don't realize that their store is open 24 hours. Um, and a, a consumer should be able to go on to this store that's 24 hours. A dealer turns off the light and goes home, right. leaves the security guard there and the dogs. But the store is open 24 hours. So facilitate as much of the transaction as possible. This is, I mean, I love this. So um, the question I have, though, that's coming to my mind is, and we see this, right? You look at you look at a dealer website, and there's gadgets and gizmos of I'm dude. I almost started quoting like a Little Mermaid song. There's gadgets and gizmos of plenty, right? There's like, I how can you tell I have a four year old daughter? Um, yeah. There's the pop up here, and there's the pop up here, and there's the drop down here, and there's the 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 video background image that everyone loves that gives everyone vertigo and like don't you dare stare at the wall afterwards because it's going to be spinning in circles. Now we're talking about okay, a trade tool, and I mean I love the idea because it's something you, you know that I can use that I don't have to jump through hoops to get. The information I'm looking for. On the flip side of that, though, here here's where I'm going with this. The dealership still needs to follow through on that. Like they still need to be in the know of okay, somebody on my website did a, a trade valuation. I'm guessing I'm printing off some numbers or I'm doing something like that, and I'm coming now into the store. And my fear as a consumer. Is that I'm going to roll in and the and the dealer is just going to, you know, all of a sudden have different numbers. How do we, right. I mean, how do we align what the customer's coming in with, with what the dealer's process is? Yeah, it's, it's an excellent question, right? Once you find the right tool, right? Obviously, Kelly Blue Book has a handful of tools. Um, but once you find the right tool, then there has to be buy-in at the dealership. And it's got to come from the top. You know, if the dealer principal is really engaged, then that's great. But otherwise, the GM, he's there in and out. He's the first guy there. He's he's earned his right to, to be in that role, and and the, and the and all his sales staff, including people in in service, respect him. And so it's got to come from him, and it's got to be a change, right? I'm not suggesting that you have to flip the road to the sale completely on its head, but you do have to say, hey, listen, if somebody comes in with uh, an estimate that they picked up on our website. Let's go ahead and honor it. Let's take a look at it. Uh, let's see exactly if if the consumer appropriately number one uh, configured the vehicle correctly, right? Some people don't know if they have an all-wheel drive or uh, you know rear-wheel drive, or some people don't even know if they have a six or a, you know a four-cylinder. So let let's let's um, meet the customer halfway instead of having the customer come all the way to the other side or vice versa. So I think it uh, it's not. It's not a silver bullet, Michael. It's you got to have buy-in, um, and you got to slightly adjust uh, behavior, right, at the at the dealership. And the best-in-class dealers, Michael, are doing a fantastic job. Um, you have the Dell Grands of the world. You have, you know, Carmax. Carmax is identified themselves as a disposer hub. Why? Because they're very process-oriented, right? They manage expectations, and other dealers are following suit. So uh, luckily, that model is not proprietary, and there's no patent on it. And so, you know, other dealers are, are buying into that model. Uh, you know, I love it because it's it. 
it is a recurring topic that we have on the DPB, which essentially comes down to there's the thing and then there's the thing surrounding the thing, you know, and it's funny because it's you, it's like Gary Vaynerchuk, Grant Cardone, Jill Conrad, like Subi Go, like it doesn't matter who I have on the show and it doesn't matter what thing they're talking about. In this case, you know, the the value of, you know, having trade tools and giving people um, the ability to get that information on their own. But the surrounding thing is something that you just said that intrigues me and it's buy-in from the top, which is a, a recurring message, and changing behavior. And what I'm, what's coming to my mind right now is this, this I, I think it's Brian Tracy, um, I could be completely wrong. If I'm wrong, I'm sure my Facebook messenger is going to blow up when this episode airs. But he, he said, he or someone said, um, if you want the things in your life to change, you need to change the things in your life. And, you know, this is a real concern that I think a lot of dealerships all over the world are dealing with is the a the buy-in from the top right not just being like oh cool yeah we got a new tool hey sales team we got a new tool do something with it right and then yeah. th this thing that we're all afraid of which is changing our behavior because it's awkward right everybody something something different about Juan something different yeah. about Cirillo what's going on man they they're changing um yeah what do you say I mean, what's what's your take on that? And I mean, this this doesn't have to be an official message. I'm just the 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 musings of Juan Flores now. I mean, how do we how do we get around that? How do we encourage a, a a culture of let's dig in, man? Let's give our customers what we want. Let's get on their side. Let's you know. Yeah, absolutely, Michael. It's, it's a great question, and it's not easy, right? I, I get upset when my wife changes our, our, our creamer for our coffee, right? So it's, you know, after a certain age, we just, we don't like change. And so, uh, I, you know, these guys, the thing about sales guys and new car sales guys, and you, they are fantastic at what they do. They have a skill set that they, that some of it, it's innate. Some of it, it's a learned behavior. And I'll tell you, they are impressive, uh, and they can move. Uh, billions of dollars of revenue for an industry on an annualized basis. They should be given, you know, kudos. Uh, uh, but, but if they don't evolve and they don't go back and take a retrospective and say, hey, listen, what are the best, best dealerships doing? Uh, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a giant dealer group, right? But what are some of the best dealerships doing? The fundamentals uh, and just shifting. Um, are they changing the comp plan, right? Are they changing the way a consumer, when they walk in, you know, is there a special parking spot at the dealership? So for somebody that just wants to have their vehicle evaluated, right? Is there a special form? Do they have, take these, if you're coming to our dealership, these are the 10 things to expect, right? Bring your title, bring your registration, bring both keys. So bring all your service records. So it's just, it's a partnership, but it's, listen, I, I have a lot of dealer friends and they are, they're they're awesome guys and girls and uh, it's it's hard to get them to pick up a new uh, a, a new habit. Yeah, no, and and something you said really stood out to me here. Um, you, you said, "What are some of the best dealers doing?" And now, in in full transparency, I am one 
individual who says don't focus so much on your competition. But I think the spin on this is unless you are sure that they're doing something right that you can maybe pattern or, you know, adopt. And I think that's one of the things. We're talking to Juan Flores from Kelly Blue Book. We're going to hear a quick word from our sponsor and we'll be right back. This is the break and diving back in. So I'm going to ask you kind of this um, this last question here about what other factors affect the value of a trade in, um, you know, but kind of in the same style that we've been already doing here. All right, here we go. Juan Flores, Senior Director of Products at Kelly Blue Book. In other words, the guy, I, dude, I'm surprised you have as much hair as you do. I, I know, I know what developing products is like and developing tech and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, well, you know, I, 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 some think I'm overcompensating with the, uh, the manly scruff I've got going on these days. But, um, you know, th- this is super fascinating because again, you know, like we've talked about earlier in the show, everything is, yeah, there, like there are benefits to having the right tools on your website. I don't advocate for just having tools for the sake of tools or buying into the shiny object, but I am a huge advocate for defining, hey, you know, as a business, what's my definition of success? And then what can I align myself with? Um, you've used the word partnership quite a few times, but what can I align myself with in the spirit of partnership that's going to help um you know, me provide a better experience for my customers, a fresher experience. You know, for me and my company, our agency, I, you know, I probably say this 20 times a week, but like, what else can we do or what more can we do to provide that breath of fresh air experience? Man, I want, I want people to be like, oh man, I can't, where have you been all my life? And so, you know, what I love about this is, okay, here's a tool. And I'm going to ask you a little bit more specifically about the trade valuator in a second, but like the, the, the kind of the recurring messages. Yeah, there, there's, there's this tool, but I mean, the intent of the tool is to provide a better experience for they that matter most in context, which is the customer. Um, from your experience, you know, like I said, you guys swim in, you guys are like, you know, ducktails when Scrooge McDuck jumps into his pit of coins. I mean, in a literal sense, but also in a figurative sense of like, you have so much data to swim through. Right. Um, I mean, there's just no way. I mean, Cox is rich. What do you, what do you do? <laughs> um, but with the amount of data you're seeing, I mean, from your experience, from your observation, what, what are the, what are you seeing dealers that, you know, and you've referred to kind of best in class dealers. Um, what are you seeing f- with dealers that have a kind of a transparency tool like a trade valuator on their site versus those that don't? Yeah, so what I'm seeing um, is obviously differing satisfaction scores, differing uh, transaction turnaround time or completion time. Uh, I think we're seeing sort of uh, the spectrum of a traditional retail shop versus a sort of progressive retail shop. Uh, I think that a dealership that uh, redefines their rally cry around being a disposer hub, if you will, right, uh, and, and really, and, and I get it, it's all about moving the metal, right? I worked at a manufacturer for nine years, and so it's all about moving the metal, but there's multiple ways to move the metal. And so if you can 
set up a rally cry around, hey, we're going to create disposal options for our customer. Not, not sure if you were aware, Michael, or your audience is aware, but 23% of consumers, uh, based on some Cox Automotive research data, 23% of consumers uh, dispose of their vehicle via private seller. Hmm. Why would somebody put their address on Craigslist or even on Auto Trader and go meet with the stranger, exchange five, eight, fifteen thousand dollars, go through the titling, releasing liability, go to me and, and granted, right, you're saving maybe a thousand, two thousand dollars, but to me, um, dealerships are not identifying themselves as a potential disposal options. So if you can identify that rally for a dealership, understanding that you're going to get a lot of benefit, a lot of incremental foot traffic, that, that just that just does great. And that's one of the things that KBB is doing is we're we're redefining Kelly Blue Book um, as also a disposer solution so that we can have multiple ways for a consumer to dispose of their vehicle. What if what if you want to donate your vehicle? Right. Um, how, how do I how do I do that? Right. Suppose I want to donate it to St. Jude's. How do I donate it? So. There's so many different ways, and if a dealership can take on a little bit of that uh, mentality, I, th I think it, it generates a lot of a lot of benefit. Um, and and I and I and I don't want to skip on your question, Mike, around hey the sophistication and the data. The Kelly Blue Book today is much different than the Kelly Blue Book when I was here in 2007. Right. Uh, right. We have access to so much data. We have analytics that we've never thought about before, um, and the accuracy has improved significantly. Kudos to that whole team. But it still gives – it doesn't solve 100% of it. There's still a role for the dealership. That's, that's where the dealers say, oh, they're taking, they're taking this thing away from me. No, we're taking you as possibly close as we possibly can with all the data. And, Mr. Dealer, it's your job then to tell the consumer what a rocker panel is, why the, fronts, why the car's leaning one side, right. or you know, why your wheels are unmatched, or, hey, this is the difference between a chip and a scratch on your windshield. There's still tons of opportunity for the dealership. It, well, it's funny, you know, you say that because I think at face value and social media has done an excellent job at allowing people to only see and comment at face value and the, what they see above the water, the iceberg above the water. But something you said here, which is interesting, is, you, you know, you, you, learning a little bit more about the intent of creating a, a tool or developing a product or developing a service isn't to replace the dealer, which no. I think so many dealers think maybe it's a miscommunication in messaging and it's, you know, maybe, maybe not just you guys. I mean, we, we experience that all the time. We're always looking for ways to streamline our message to make sure, you know, it resonates with, with our intended audience. But Hey, we didn't create a trade valuation tool to take your job away from you. We gave it to you to give a better customer experience and, and, and encourage the customer to actually come and talk to you. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's on a sunny day. You're selling lemonade. You're giving away lim cold lemonade and a, and a consumer wants to trade. They want to, they definitely want to trade. The data indicates that they want to trade and they want to understand what the trading process is going for. Most consumers are looking just for just a fair trade or they're either looking for a fair trade, Michael, or they're looking for an explanation of why their trade and value is what it is. So you do get the exceptions of people that want maximum private party for a trade. And listen, a dealership, I mean, I think even I can walk a consumer off of that ledge. But uh, most of the time, a consumer just wants to know, hey, explain to me why you deducted $500 for a front windshield. Uh, explain to me why you deducted you know, you know, $500 because my, my rear wheels don't match. Uh, and that explanation, I think, builds 
uh, an opportunity for a long-lasting relationship with that client. Right? It's a great, like, it's a great education piece because I mean, you're talking about what you said. This this number: twenty-three percent of consumers dispose of a vehicle via private seller. And you said Craigslist, and like, I kind of like I tensed up a little bit, um, because it's so sketchy. <laughs> Like, you know, and, and here, I mean, here's some food for thought for, for those listening or watching. Yes, you've heard me say this before, and I say it in a loving and an encouraging way. The, the recent Gallup trustworthiness poll of professions puts car sales professionals second to last, just above Congress people and, and just below insurance salespeople. Having said that, and having said, yes, there is a black cloud stigma looming over the car industry. And, oh, man, I got cheated. And I, dude, you think that's bad? Check out the horror stories of people who have purchased or done something, some sort of transaction, private seller. And right. this is something I think, you know, in the right light, with the right intent, with the right mindset, you we should be drawing attention to. because Because of the education piece. I mean, I don't know about in the States, but in Canada, um, it's illegal to drive a vehicle that has different tires, like not, not all matching all four tires. A lot of people don't know that. I learned that by going to a tire shop and saying, yo, can you, can you swap these things out? And he's like, no way. I did that once back in like 1986. And then I had a $900,000 lawsuit on my hands. I was like, whoa. Um, Dude, a private seller is not going to tell you that stuff. And um, chances are the consumer's not even going to think to ask about that stuff. Right? They're going to look at they're going to look at the body stuff. Oh, there's a nick here, but that's not a big deal or yeah, there's a little bit of rust, but whatever, I'm buying it for my kid who's going to college or you know, those sorts of things versus what you're saying. I mean, the advantage here is the fact that I can have a dialogue with a dealer um, based on a report that I brought in, and then I can have them speak to these these points. Okay, l- like you said, explain to me why you know you're deducting this amount from the trade for X, Y, and Z. And, and Z. Right. I want those explanations as a consumer. I'm not going to get those explanations from a private sale. Nine times out of ten. Right. All right. So. I love this man. This is so cool. You know, I'd encourage those listening and viewing. Definitely go check out uh, KBB. Um, it's no secret that they are sponsoring the the dealer playbook in season eight. But definitely go check it out. You know, I, I, something I want to say to this is, um, I don't I don't let anybody sponsor the show. It's got to be something that I see as bringing value to the to the industry because the mission of the DPB is to enrich and empower. Let's create better experiences and all those sorts of things. So I want to turn this over to you just winding down. Juan, how do, how do those listening and, and viewing get in touch with you to learn more? Yeah, I appreciate it, Michael. appreciate you guys having us. Um, obviously, um, you, they can reach out to me via juan.flores at coxautoinc.com, uh, C-O-X-A-U-T-O-I-N-C.com. Um, and we also have a self-service website, b2b.kbb.com, uh, and there's a full list of our products um, that are available there. Yeah, lo- love it. So we're definitely going to link those up in the show notes over at www.thedealerplaybook.com. 
where you get links to all of that. And also, we're going to link you up with some of the case studies and statistics that Juan shared in this episode. Juan, thanks so much for joining me on the DPB. Thank you, Michael, for having us.